Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Chapter 13 The dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. It had ten horns and seven heads, with ten crowns on its horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was filled with wonder and followed the beast. People worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can wage war against it? The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies and to exercise its authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place and those who live in heaven. It was given power to wage war against God's holy people and to conquer them. And it was given authority over every tribe, people, language and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life. The Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. Whoever has ears, let them hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb, but it spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast on its behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Because of the signs it was given power to perform on behalf of the first beast, it deceived the inhabitants of the earth. It ordered them to set up an image in honour of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. The second beast was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast, so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads, so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man. That number is 666. Revelation 13 isn't telling us to obsess over the mark of the beast, and it certainly doesn't equate that mark with a piece of body-borne technology. No, Revelation 13 is telling us about worship. It unambiguously asserts that people will either worship Satan or Jesus, and it urges us to worship the Son. This isn't quite as simple as it might appear. It calls for wisdom so we don't get caught up with the crowd. It seems that Satan sneaks into our worship through human powers that have been distorted into beast-like beings reminiscent of the visions of Daniel. Almost certainly, total devotion to Rome Worship of the emperor, collaboration in their every agenda, was seen as worship of the devil. Almost certainly, total devotion to capitalism, or to liberalism, 
or to nationalism will cause us to bear the mark of the beast. The faithful will need to patiently endure in the midst of any culture, not to conform to the pattern of the world, but to stand out, distinct, like those who hope in a different world. And so Revelation 13 should cause us to ask about our dreams and our hopes. Whatever we may sing about on a Sunday, it's what we yearn for and what we shoot for that shows what we worship. If you cut me open, what would my ambition be shown to be? I'd like people to tell me I'm impressive. The odd applauding crowd would not go amiss. A little more acceptably, I want to grow old with my wife and watch my grandchildren thrive in life. All of these things can be good. But what if the only way I can reach them is to compromise with my culture and calm my commitment to Christ? This risky environment is what the church is always in. The beast is so powerful. He has his way of getting things to look really good. Massive wisdom and endurance are required. Chapters like this make faithfulness seem incredibly hard. And when I think about it, so many of my friends do seem to have fallen captive to the relentless assaults of the power-wielding dragon. But we must not lose heart. Chapter 14 shows us the resource we have to draw on when we need to endure. Worship of the Lamb. Honour of and glory of the one who has redeemed us from the dragon's power. If we want to endure and be blameless, there's something about worship. There's a power found there that becomes like a battle cry. If we want to endure and be blameless, it's to worship of the Lamb that we should go. Here's a question for reflection. Stop and audit your life. What does your use of your body suggest you're devoted to? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.